0: This is Zayshawn Parks with Beach High School. You listen to 6 on 5 Prep Podcast. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Here, we go
1: it's amazing how quickly that went.
2: Yeah, yeah it is. It, and it
1: really seems like, you know, it was just a few weeks ago that we were uh, Yeah, granted it was 11 weeks ago or whatever that we started but uh it really seems like it was you know i don't say yesterday but
2: really recent feels like it was
1: yeah it really really flew by
2: a really packed show for you guys this week as well i'm reese from the columbia daily Herald will join us later on uh we have several games to discuss from week 10 which probably more than any week so far this year told us a lot about what we're fixing to see in the playoffs and then at the end as we always do we'll pick 10 games and uh or, or try to pick 10 games, as, as most of you can figure out by now. But um, <laughs> we do have to get on with it. So let's yeah. look back at a very, very competitive Week 10 from a lot of angles. We start in Shackle Island and Hendersonville for Beach and Gallatin. I, I called it our game of the year, and it pretty much lived up to it. Beach wins 14-10 to 10 in a real defensive struggle.
1: It really was. It was an electric atmosphere. Uh, 6,700 people there. Yeah. Uh, they were standing six, seven deep around the field. people were craning their necks just to get a glimpse of the game. This was definitely the game this uh, last Thursday yeah uh, I don't want to say Friday, but <laughs> right. a lot of games moved up. Um, it really surprised me because going in I thought beach, you know I thought you know Galton's defense was a story. But early on, Beach really kind of established that line of scrimmage. They gashed uh, Gallatin early with some, you know, stretch plays, things of that nature. But uh, Gallatin's got that bend but don't break defense. And, um, you know, they made stops. Beach went for it a lot on fourth downs. It really, uh, you know, really was a, you know, a tough game. You know, Gallatin gets on the board first with the, the field goal. It really comes down to some big plays that were made and some mistakes that were made. Yeah,
2: really, the the mistakes even more so. Uh, There was a special team's mistake that really turned this game on its head because Gallatin had just returned a punt late in the third quarter. They fumble it away, Beach picks it up, and then they go on and drive about five minutes in the fourth quarter, and and Jay Sean Parks has the game-winning touchdown from two yards out. Then Gallatin had another couple of chances, but they couldn't convert after that.
1: Yeah, I I point to that one and the long run that uh, Adrian Johnson had in the first. You know, he goes sixty four yards. Nobody had really gotten a whole lot going. Galton hmm. got uh, some good field position, got the uh, the field goal, but nobody really could get anything really going. And then they break that run. But the thing that got me was the penalty. Yep. Fourth down, they're holding them to a field goal. They get the uh, encroachment penalty. Yep. Gives uh, Beach the ball first and goal inside the inside the five. Next play, you know, they get on the board. And, and we look
2: back at the Johnson run. That was when Beach was backed up inside their own five-yard line. Gallatin had pinned them at the two with a punt just a couple plays earlier, and then Johnson breaks one off. You know, we talk about Beach's running game. It was a three-headed attack with Johnson, Parks, and Tyshawn Jefferson. Johnson was the leading rusher of the trio with 99 yards, but it was – Parks and Jefferson, who found the end zone.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and they were, uh, you know, they just did a, a wonderful job of it on that last drive of you know after Briggs had broken through and went sixty nine yards and yep. put Galton back up. Uh, that last drive was just a, a, a work of art. Uh, just pound, pound, pound. We talked to uh, Jason Parks uh, after the game. Okay, I'm here with Jason Parks after. Beaches win over Gallatin, week nine. You guys came out. So yes, uh, you established yourself early. Yes, sir. Uh, what did you guys prepare for this week?
0: We had we to work hard. We had to. We had to work on the mistakes we had on film. We had to work on film and practice. Practice how we played.
1: Okay, and you you came out. You established the offense early. Your offensive line got a good push. What do you have to say about those guys?
0: Thank you. Without them, it's no me. Remember that. Without them, it's no beaches, no Jay and Parks. I'm just a regular teammate. Without them, the line got me here. Okay.
1: Um, You guys prepared. You came out. You got. uh, They came back and took momentum out. Yes, sir. You guys got it back on that turnover.
0: Tell me what was going through your head then, when you uh, when when you got that ball back. God was saying it's your turn. Yes sir. And then he was like, "Just keep fighting and keep fighting." It. As a team, we have to work. We have to work as a team, and we got on the field. And you're 9-0. Yes
1: sir. Going, uh, you, go uh, you clinched the division. Yes sir. Uh, clinched the region. I'm sorry. Yes sir. Uh, Now it's the team. This was a goal of the team yes, going sir. in, right? Yes sir.
0: And now you're gonna see these guys again. Of course. What What is it about? What are you gonna take away from this game that you're gonna apply if you see them again? Like I said before, I, I got a minus of mistakes I had. Oh, I, I gotta watch film tonight and work on the mistakes. Very good. Outstanding job. You, know, you guys going to Hillwood next week. Can you get 10 and up? Of course. God first, God only. Awesome. I like yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. that. was Jay Sean Parks. Uh, like I said, very excited after the game. It was a big, big win.
2: Yeah. Huge win for Beach. They win the region. They're 9-0. They're now number one in 5A. New number one team this week in class 5A. We just found that out before we recorded tonight. So, you know, Beach... They've got everything in front of them, but they've got a big target on their back as well.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and this was their statement. Everybody had been talking about Gallatin, and even us too. You know, Gallatin was was the, was the was a really big story because we weren't expecting it. Mm-hmm. Beach, they say, hey, we're still Beach. And they took care of business in a game that, I don't want to say it's pretty predictable, but, you know, a low-scoring, running yeah. run, run, run kind
1: of game. It, it was as advertised. It definitely was. And you make a really good point, is that – you know, Galton was kind of the uh, It was kind of the cool pick It was yeah. kind of the, the the story Going in because they weren't expected Beach was what Beach does mm-hmm. uh, Nothing fancy They're going to run and they're going to run And then they're going to run a little bit more And they're going to play good defense And
3: that's sometimes a good spot to be in When everybody is kind of just overlooking, it, overlooking You and uh, you know It's something coaches can use You know hey we're eight no and nobody's talking about us.
2: And this is the first time Chad Watson has had to do, address his team after a loss this year. I did catch up with him after the game and get his thoughts on it as well.
4: Tough one tonight for your boys, but uh, if you take care of business. You might get a little shy at them. Yeah, that's what we're telling our kids. We got to worry about us. And, uh, I got to do a better job creating some things for our kids, put them in a better situation. Our kids, I wouldn't change anything about their effort tonight. They played their butts off. Um, but, yeah, we're going to worry about Gallatin trying to be the best version of us um, and go from there. Uh, defensively, both sides as advertised. You got one big play out of Spencer, and then it was a lot of stuff in the middle. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, they did a really good job defending us, and our defense did a good job. We got we to gotta generate some more points for those guys. But, uh, like I said, it, this goes back on me. All my coaches are doing a great job. All my players are doing a great job. I just got to do a better job. I mean, get, it gets a loss, but uh, the atmosphere here tonight uh, its like nothing I've ever seen. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I told our guys it felt like a playoff game, but the good thing is we're not turning our stuff in on Monday. We're still rolling. So
1: hopefully we get to do this again. All right. Appreciate it. Thank
2: you. And you get to hear a little Justin Timberlake after that as oh, well. <laughs> nice soundtrack. That, the kind of the atmosphere, though, at Peach though, it was just wild pregame during the game, post-game, I got to say kudos to both Gallatin and Beaches fans for, for making the trip and making it what it was. It was a special night.
1: It was very
3: special. And it, it might be taking a little bit too quick of a look ahead, but looking to playoffs to see who they, they'd be matched up with, yeah. that's Summit's looking to be that third seed right. in the, the opposing Region 5. Hey, that's an interesting week one playoff, if, yeah. if that comes to
2: fruition. Hey, some of us are looking even farther down the road than November 22nd, which might be a potential quarterfinal rematch at Beach. So that that 6,700-person crowd might be a little bit bigger in round two.
1: Yeah, that's going to be really interesting. Uh, you better get there really early if that happens. Yep. But, uh, and don't plan on getting out of there anytime soon no, when it's over.
2: No, <laughs> no, you might as well just uh, plan the whole night away. Yeah. But, uh, let's move on. BA and Ensworth, Brentwood Academy, thirty to twenty winner over Ensworth in the game. They absolutely had to have.
3: You're right. They had to because this was a team. Uh, you know, we used to talk about it back to back to back to back defending state champion, and they were in jeopardy of not making the playoffs. And they get a they get a must need win in a, in a game that they it was back and forth for a little while. And uh, you know, BA in the end, the offense came alive, and, and they, that's what they had kind of been lacking the last couple weeks. And it was against a, against a really good Endsworth team that, you know, kind of back and forth and a, a game that really the Eagles are still alive because of.
1: Yeah, I, you know, it, it really was a tale of two halves. I mean, the first half was all Endsworth really. You know, Keyshawn Lawrence with that electric punt return, which I'd never seen the like. Everybody was just kind of waiting to down it. and he, yeah, that, I, every, 99 out of 100 coaches will tell you, leave that doggone thing alone.
3: I would think his coach did as soon as he caught it. <laughs>
1: yeah. All think is, yeah, nice run, Keyshawn, never do it again. That's <laughs> <laughs> one of those,
3: no, 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 yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> and then, you know, he had that other catch and run, you know, but then they get shut out in the second half. You know, BA's defense shows up. And really, they showed up all game because it was really one catch and run, Lawrence gets free, and then the punt return. What really uh, nailed it for me was the play of uh, Devin Curtis. You know, two interceptions. One of them really big there, stopping a drive. You know, he had that uh, touchdown pass, and we'll talk about him later maybe. But um, it really – what he – you know, that play gave him the lead, the touchdown pass to him. It really kind of – he really kind of jump-started everything, Mm -hmm. really with his two interceptions. B.A. came out in the second half and just absolutely –
3: Dominated. Well, and they kept it on the ground. Uh, Jordan James, forty-two carries, two hundred and thirty-eight yards. And let's go ahead and give a shout out to the kicker, Uh Paxton Perry, three field goals, nineteen. Uh, you, you know, you kind of expect to make that a forty and a forty-six yarder. And th- that's yeah. big in these kind of games. Yep. Oh yeah, absolutely.
2: But these two teams are not out of the woods yet. Both of them have to win this week to get in the playoffs because. Knoxville Catholic plays Father Ryan, and you have to assume a Knoxville Catholic victory there if you're either team. And, and If B.A. is at Baylor, or B.A. hosts Baylor, Ensworth is at McCauley. If Ensworth and Knoxville Catholic win and Brentwood Academy loses, Brentwood Academy's out. Mm. And for Ensworth, if it gets into a three-way tie, Knoxville Catholic gets in and Ensworth is out.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it, it's really uh, a convoluted... It uh, is system there. It
2: is, but for the first year of this Division Two playoff system, it's really good. It it's created a lot of drama.
1: Well, it, it but it goes back to exactly what you were talking about earlier when we were talking about uh, a couple podcasts ago about uh, creating uh, games that matter in the mm-hmm. regular season. These games matter. We have playoff games essentially in the regular season. And I think that this kind of competition is really, really good.
2: We're not done talking about games like that. In fact, we do it right now. Uh, Creekwood over Portland, 46 to nothing. It sets up, well, a couple of the games set up this week for for Region 5 and Class 4A. Uh, Creekwood, 46 zip. Danny Stansperry, 18 carries, 224 yards, four touchdowns on the ground. Portland had 36 yards of total offense in the loss.
1: Yeah, and, and it wasn't even close. I, Portland could absolutely get nothing going, uh, and Creekwood seemed to move the ball at will. Uh, it, it really was a dominating performance. Um, you know, like you said, Stansbury. You know, four TDs. You know, they threw one pass I think in the first half. Creekwood did, mm-hmm. and it was for a touchdown. Yeah. And I don't think they threw another one. They didn't need to. And right, I mean, it was just that much of a dominating performance.
2: This was Friday night, too, as well, in and and the nasty one, yeah, in the it, rain.
1: Well, that – and, and I mean, honestly, I, their defense was basically, uh, you know, they knew that they weren't going to be able to throw very well. So, it was basically stop Caleb Mandrell and you stop the Panthers. Right.
2: And the good news for Portland is that the way things shaped out last week, they are in the playoffs. They will be the number four seed from that region. They're also off this week, so they're going to get to sit and watch everybody else beat each other up. But the next game on our list really shook everything up. White House, winless in the region until last week, gets up off the mat and a 27-17 win over Montgomery Central. It takes the Indians from a potential region champion to now playing for the playoff lives this week.
1: Yeah, you said it last week. They had an absolute. The Blue Devils had absolutely nothing to lose in this game, and they they came out playing loose. Um, you know, from the inf- information I gathered, you know they. Uh, White House changed their offense and basically went wildcat in this game, and it, it made a difference. It allowed them to drive the ball and then keep that the Indians' offense for the most part off the field as much as possible. Um, you know, both teams had like ten possessions all game, so it was a, a, a grinded out type of game. Uh, it just one of the, and of course, it was in that nastiness as well. So uh, it was a, a really good coaching job by the White House coaches. Um, Raymond Blackburn had a big game.
3: It was just, it was just nasty. <laughs> this entire region's kind of filled with each team's got a loss that goes, man, if we could have just done yeah. this. Yeah. You look at each team and, uh, you know, White House Heritage, uh, at a one-point loss to Greenbrier, mm. uh, a one-point loss to Springfield, uh, Portland, a four-point loss to White House Heritage. Just each team in this region, this region's ended up just beating up on each other. Yeah,
1: yeah there's there's at least one regret story yes. in right. each one of these teams' you know, history this year.
2: Yeah, there's a flaw in every team's resume, and uh, it, it set up a wild finish in that region. Montgomery Central, Henry uh, Sanders got pretty good numbers, 37 carries, 218 yards and a touchdown in the loss. But uh, Montgomery Central has to win over White House Heritage this week in order to make the playoffs. And that's going to be, and that that may have the most drama of any game around.
3: And that's yeah. a that's a, like total one eighty. They were they were playing for a region title just like a week ago. That's that, yeah. that was yeah. their
1: plans. Yeah, I mean, it's two weeks. They they've fallen from competing for first place to almost out of the out of the playoffs. It's it's the anti McGavick. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're, they're the exo- absolute opposite. Uh, yep, and they were cruising for a while in the regular season, and now they have to win or else their season is over just like that. One of the uh, one of the better non-region games of Week Ten came over in Franklin. You know, Franklin held on to beat Nolansville previously unbeaten, twenty-five uh, twenty-three. You know, made some mistakes that just put them behind in this game. Um, they did turn over Franklin a couple of times in the red zone, so their defense was able to to get stronger as the game went on. But you know, Guy Lipscomb had a, a whale of a game for Franklin, 32 carries, 124 yards, and he also had a 25-yard interception return for a touchdown, which was really the big blow against Nolansville as he picked off Ryder Gallardi and took it back to the house. The problem in this game for Nolansville was just self-inflicted mistakes, penalties, Poor field position of the second half, mainly due to their special teams not being able to get out their own end. And then there was one punt from the end zone where the Owensville's punter got it to the twenty-five, and that was it. And they just kept shooting themselves in the foot, Scott.
1: Yeah, I'd like to see what this game. You play in the conditions that you play in. Yep. I mean, you know, Franklin had to play in the same ones zones, but I would have liked to seen what this game would have been like in regular uh, conditions or in drier conditions. I think that it changes. I think this is a game where Franklin was more suited to the conditions. One. Two, they didn't make the mistakes. Yep. They made mistakes, but they didn't make crucial mistakes yep. like a pick six, mm-hmm. You know, which in a two-point game, you just can't
2: do. Yeah, Nolensville didn't get any points off those turnovers. and uh, We did see the Knights, though, their offense get a little bit stronger, especially in crunch time where they had to have the points. Ryder Gillardi Tim Kutras with the last drive hook up a couple of times, and they, they connected for a score as time expired.
3: Yeah, it was a two-point conversion away, right? Yep. Yeah. Without seeing them, it just seems like this team is built on athletes' speed and conditions like this just don't add up. I mean, we were talking uh, last week, their defense led by Kutras, who has seven INTs. Well, when you play a, play a team with a guy like Lipscomb who rushes it 32 times and most of it in the Wildcat formation yep. – you know you're not getting many opportunities to to play the pass. I think you know, and you hear a lot of coaches, especially it seems like in college ball, that you know this is a good time for a loss. I think for Nolansville to go play a 6A team like this against a Franklin team, and I think I've said this multiple times this year, they're just they're on the wrong end of a stick of playing a really good region. Franklin's a pretty good ball club that plays a lot of really other good ball clubs. I think this is a good test for Nolansville a couple weeks away from the playoffs.
1: I agree, and I think right now, I, th- I think that if I were Marshall County, I would have preferred that Nolensville would have won that game. Yep. Yes, because Nolensville it is probably going to come into this one really upset. This
3: is a, this is the first time all year you've had an opportunity to go back on Monday or whenever you watch film. I mean, once you win, you could be like, "Yeah, guys, we could do this better." Hey, we won. Now, when you lose, and you're and a coach tells you, "Hey, you know, you you could do this better." yeah, you could do it better because you lost. So I think this is the first time all year Nolensville has actually got something to go back on and work and before a really big game against Marshall County. Yeah,
2: sure you lose the unbeaten record, but, I mean, it's a good chance to refocus at the right time before your most important game of the season yeah. and then the playoffs. Uh, Nolensville's not hurting from this loss. In fact, no. I think they learned from it. Yeah. yep. And, uh, another team that uh, really needed the win and got it was Wilson Central. Uh, they knock off 11-23-22, and, and then that kind of jumbles that region just a little bit more as well.
3: Wilson Central somehow goes from fighting to get into the playoffs to potentially hosting a home playoff game. And this was kind of what I've been hearing. This game was kind of nicknamed the the, the battle for Oakland because whoever, <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whoever gets fourth place in this region. Yes, it was. Whoever gets fourth place in this region is going to Oakland. <laughs> you know, um, to battle to avoid hey, Oakland. Yes, yes. That is not much of a
2: consolation prize, I'll tell you. No, no. no.
3: But, you know, what, Wilson Central, props to them for keeping their heads up. Yeah. You know, they went uh, started 4-0, uh, lost the next four, and against the Lebanon team, where this rivalry has really changed, the last couple of years have been all Lebanon, and uh, head coach Chuck Gentry has really changed things around mm. Lebanon. Uh, this year just hadn't been the been the kind of year the Blue Devils were hoping for. Uh, but props to Brad Debman and Wilson Central because this is a this is a game that they, they really needed, and they uh, found a way to you know move it to Thursday. And uh, still got still got it done in the very end of that ball game. I mean, it went down the last minute.
2: Yeah, a missed field goal actually doomed Lebanon right here. Missed a twenty-seven yarder in the final ten seconds, and then penalties, eleven flags for ninety-four yards against the Blue Devils. That that didn't help their cause, and then no. now they've got to win at Ross to get in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, it has it, been it's really weird. Finally, the one point uh, the one point uh, victory actually bites. Lebanon this yep. time, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just too many errors and at crucial moments. One, uh, you know, Lebanon playing behind the chains a lot. Uh, a botch punt gives Wilson Central the ball at their seventeen. Uh, you know, they score and uh, Wilson Central makes it ten to seven. Interception at uh, the Lebanon thirty gives the Wildcats the ball. You know, they score with forty five seconds left to go up. Just mistakes that are not usually attributed to this Lebanon team. And, of course, uh, they did play. I believe that uh, Breeze Copus, their quarterback, did not play in this game. So that may have affected some of their offense, but the mistakes, you've got to be able to avoid those.
2: Let's pick a player of the week. You know, there's plenty to choose from, a lot of good performances. Uh, before we do, I want to mention three of our previous winners who had really big weeks. Fairview's Logan Nardozzi, 32 carries, 302 yards, and two touchdowns. JP, two quarterback, Sawyer Watts, 8 of 11 passing for 288 yards and three touchdowns. Pretty efficient. And last mm-hmm. week's Player of the Week, Kamari McGowan from Middle Tennessee Christian, 37 carries, 347 yards, six touchdowns, two two-point conversions. So, oh so big, big weeks by some former award winners for our Players of the Week. Now let's get on to the ones that we have for this week, Scott.
1: Uh, first one I haven't mentioned a few minutes ago, just because you know big players show up in big games. Devin Curtis, uh, two interceptions and a 19-yard touchdown reception that uh, gave uh, uh, Brentwood Academy the lead in their 30-21 over Innsworth.
2: I've got DeMarcus Johnson from Hunters Lane, 23 carries for 265 yards and two touchdowns. Hunters Lane is pretty much going to be in the postseason unless something goes wrong this week.
1: I'm going to stay in the Brentwood uh, Academy-Ensworth game. I'm going Jordan James, 42 carries, 238 yards, and a touchdown.
2: At Creekwood's Danny Stansberry, we talked about him, 18 carries, 224 yards, and four touchdowns, and they'll show that one at Portland.
1: Uh, here's a name that uh, we've seen uh, before. Amari Jelks, 12 carries, 140 yards, four touchdowns, and one 56-yard touchdown reception, and their 47-14 to win over Overton.
2: Springfield's Kevontae White, 12 carries, 234 yards, and four touchdowns in the Yellow Jackets to play for their region title this week as well.
1: I have one more, uh, Raynon Blackburn from Whitehouse, 25, 155, and three touchdowns plus a passing touchdown.
2: My last one is Logan Spurrier from Hendersonville had five total touchdowns, four rushing, one receiving. Now we didn't get total yardage numbers for him. But we do know his touchdowns were of 49, and the catch of forty five. And I think he got a shorter touchdown later on. Yeah. So, Judge, what right. you have it?
3: Uh, let's go with uh, White from Springfield.
2: Cavante White from Springfield, twelve carries, two hundred thirty four yards and four touchdowns. He is our player of the week for Week Ten. So we've got one more to give in the regular season next week, and then. All these guys that have won it again, we'll let them have another shot at it.
3: If you're listening, you got one more chance. You got one more chance to win. <laughs> make it happen.
2: <laughs> and if you don't, if you don't hear any of your players on here, uh, make sure your coach sends the stats because that's how we get to nominate them.
1: I mean, uh, yeah, we we really really need those uh, uh, those statistics so we can do your team and your players justice.
2: All right, that's it for our first segment. Uh, Columbia Daily Herald's Maurice Patton joins us after this, that you're listening to the 615 Preps Podcast.
1: Hey, just a reminder that MidState Preps Plus is looking for you. We currently have openings for sponsors on both the MidState Preps Plus website and the 615 Preps Podcast. Contact us at Mid-State Preps Plus at gmail.com for more details.
2: Back here in the 615 Preps Podcast, uh, Got our guest this week, uh, Maurice Patton of uh, the Columbia Daily Herald joins us this week. Uh, Mo, how you doing, bud? I'm doing well. How about you guys? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, hey, big news for you last week, uh, announced as a Distinguished Service Award winner by the TWWA for the 2019-20 year. Congratulations on that. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Definitely was unexpected, but um, it's nice. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, you've had a long and, and Distinctive career, very successful career. Uh, I, I I don't want to put you on the spot with a a moment that might define it, but uh, when you look back on your time so far, you know what is kind of the whole history of your career meant to you? <laughs> um,
5: it's kind of tough to look back when you're still in the middle of it, but um, it's um I tell you, Chris, when it kind of hits home how long I've been doing this when I start covering kids of folks that I've covered. And, um, you know, I, I started in this in like, um, 86 when I was still finishing up school at MTSU. So, um, actually I've been covering kids of kids that I covered for a pretty good while at this point. But, um uh, it's, um, I guess when I'll be out somewhere and, and somebody will walk up to me and they'll, say you you wrote this story on me or something like this and and it was back in the early 90s or whenever it was and and to to know that um that i've made that kind of impact on folks it you know it's um it's kind of it's nice
2: and considering all the places that you've covered high school sports i mean you started the dnj you've been in franklin I mean, you've had your own thing. Now you're in Colombia. You were the Tennessee for a long time. I mean, you've been you've been able to see a lot of very, very talented, very successful athletes. Uh, it had to just be a lot of fun to, to to do all that. It has been, and
5: and to have done so much of it at the at the high school level. I was um I was on Twitter not too long ago, and, and was having an exchange with somebody and talking about um remembering john henderson over at pearl cone when they would throw to him on the two-point conversion you know john henderson who went on and played defensive tackle at ut and in the nfl with the jaguars you know and he he wasn't a whole lot smaller at pearl cone than he was in the nfl but um, to see him lining up at tight end or splitting out and them just throwing him the jump ball at 6 6, six seven against some Five eight cornerback from from wherever. It's just um, it was almost laughable. But um, you know, to see guys like that, um, you know, to to see Kelly Holcomb in high school, to see Jalen Hurd in high school, that kind of thing. And that's, you know, just the football side of it. It's um, I've I'm not a very religious person to be honest. But I, I guess really the best way to say it would be to say that I've been blessed
1: uh you this is scott um you mentioned that uh twitter and and you're you're an excellent follow on twitter i i follow you there as well uh thanks
5: i appreciate it well how
1: uh uh how has that changed uh reporting and journalism uh in high school sports in your opinion um
5: immensely we don't break anything <laughs> You know, we don't break anything. The kids break their own news, you know, the, um, the commitments and that kind of thing. I remember, um, you know, wearing coaches out, wearing kids out. Have you decided, blah, blah, blah? Now you just wait for them to post it on their Twitter account, you know? Um, and it's, it's a little uncomfortable. Um, you know, I'm not real big on following high school kids. Just because I feel like I'm kind of invading their space to some degree, but um, but the the entire internet and the social media aspect of of this thing has has had a significant impact on on sports journalism at the high school level in particular. I think, and I mean, um, I guess to some degree, I've probably benefited from it as well. Like Chris said. Um, I had my own high school sports website for about a year and a half or so, almost two years, and and a lot of that was based on, you know, distributing it via Twitter and via Instagram and that kind of thing, getting that stuff out there. So and 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 I'm sure you guys are driven to quite a degree by that as well, trying to um, get your stuff out there along those lines. So it's um it's definitely different than um making 20 phone calls a night trying to figure out who's going where and that kind of thing.
2: Well, being in Columbia now, you, you took over for uh, uh, Marion Wilhoyt, a legend in, in, in middle Tennessee sports writing. Um, you know, you're not trying to fill his shoes, but I mean, when you come in behind somebody like that, you know, what's that mean to you to have a position like that in Columbia?
5: You know, um, like you said, the, the key is you, you can't go in trying to fill anybody's shoes, and, and that was the comment that I made when I first got there. Um, for one thing, I, I drive, and for another, I'm not going to be there for 54 years. But, um, you know, I, I do recognize what Marion did and, and who he was and, and the legendary status that he um, – over that time at the daily herald and and um all i can do is just try to be the the best sports journalist i can be and um if if that puts me on that level that's fantastic and um you know if it doesn't well it was still the best i could do but um i am um, you know, there's a lot of great athletes, a lot of great programs down there, and we just try to cover them as, as best we can.
2: Well, let's talk about some of those programs now. I mean, with the playoffs a week away, and you've got mm-hmm. several teams in contention for playoff spots are already in. Uh, who's been kind of a surprise to you so far, given what you might have thought of them in the preseason?
5: Um, I'll give you two. Um, Columbia Central and Columbia Academy, and and they've been surprises in different sorts of ways because um, Columbia Central, we watched them in the um, in the Murray County Jamboree when they um, they couldn't score against Creekwood, and really kind of thought this this isn't good. And one, um, congratulations to Creekwood because um, I think while we were looking at. Man, maybe Central's not that good. Um, we were looking at it from the wrong from the wrong angle. Maybe Creekwood is pretty good, and they have been. Um, and so Central's kind of bounced back from from that and and done some pretty good things, even as recent as last Friday when they went down and um, and beat a pretty good strapper team in the rain. So um, they have um, they have been pretty good, and they've got a big ball game Friday night against Shelbyville. With with a chance, with a win to get up to the number two spot in Region Five Five A. So um, so they've done a pretty good job. And Columbia Academy, you know, mm-hmm. making the move to Division Two A, and opening with Marshall County and Shelbyville on back to back weeks and and losing and then continuing to lose, going zero and five to start and then battling back to four and five and. Um, Having a home game Friday against Fayette Academy with a chance to a get to five and five and b earn a home game to open the playoffs, so um, those are a couple of teams that, in different
3: manners, have have been pleasant surprises for us this year. You bring up Columbia Central; that's a team I saw early September when they took on John Overton. I'm really interested in the back they got in the backfield. Christian Biggers, just a sophomore. This seems like a, a, a team and a kid like that especially, you know, who, you said they get up to a 2C. They could be anywhere from 2 to 4. They could be a team give somebody some, a run for their money when they get in the playoffs.
5: They could be, Christian, and the thing about them is they are going to run the ball. Now, they were without both Biggers and Kalen Hill, their number two running back in that win down at Stratford, but um they were able to win it basically on the strength of their defense, and that's the other thing. I mean – defense travels is what they say and and um in all likelihood they're gonna have to travel um beach or gallatin if they wind up facing either of those guys they're gonna have a tough night but again i think that defense travels and if they're able to get enough offensively maybe they can um get a game deep into the fourth quarter and give themselves a chance to um to make a play with a christian biggers um you know, they've not thrown the ball as well as they would have liked. Uh, their senior quarterback, Dane Sykes, has been hurt, did not play against Stratford, um, started a junior, Brady McCandless, who threw for two touchdowns and threw for more yards, and they had um, thrown for in any other game this season in his first start. So um, interesting to see Friday night whether Sykes is back in there or whether McCandless gets another go. And um, – <laughs> It needs to be McCandless, but um, we'll, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> but if if, um, if Biggers and Hill are healthy, and I think they're both expected to be healthy Friday night, um, if they can achieve some balance defensively and if they can hold Shelbyville down, Shelbyville can, can put some points up. They've got a nice sophomore quarterback over there and, and some guys to throw it to. That could that could quietly be a pretty pretty good ball game and definitely a pretty big ball game.
2: Mo, who um, who do you think has a chance to make the deepest run out of there, out of that area? Um,
5: <laughs> define deep run. Uh, <laughs> um, I think if Columbia Academy gets the right draw, I think Division Two A is so um evenly matched. I, I truly think that's a case of anybody can beat anybody with the exception of Nashville Christian, yeah. apparently. So if they can stay away from Nashville Christian for a little bit, um, you know, friendship Christian on the other side is always scary because I've said for years I think John McNeil is one of the best coaches in the state. Um, I love his offensive approach, the way he examines the talent that he's got and adjusts to use it to, um, to their best benefit. I've seen him win throwing it 40 times a game and I've seen them win running it 40 times a game and um, they're a team with a lot of tradition that can give you some trouble but I think if they can stay away from Nashville Christian and if they can stay away from Friendship Christian they got a shot to um, to do some damage again um, Columbia Central unfortunately you know if they run into a beach or a gallatin they're going to have a tough time I think just because both those teams are are so complete apparently and, and playing awfully well and obviously playing with a lot of confidence right now but um, if they can some kind of way get hooked up with one of the other teams out of that region their, their chances are going to be a lot better and so um, those are going to be the two I'm, I'm not sure um, Mount Pleasant is going to probably wind up going on the road out of region 5 1A as well and and 6-1-A is tough from top to bottom so they they could have a tough time I think and those are the three out of Murray County that have got that are that are probably playoff bound um, Zion Christian did not play a region schedule in Division 2-A so they will not be going to the playoffs and Spring Hill goes to Lawrence County Friday night trying to win their first game of the season they go into that game 0-9 for the second year in a row so um been some tough sledding for the Raiders
1: this year. Well, Mo, I want to change gears uh, just for, uh, for a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the topics that has kind of been going around uh, in in our conversations has been uh, the issues that are facing teams that have numbers issues, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that it it you know at what point does it become. Uh, untenable for a, a team to to, to feel to field an 11man football team and why aren't we seeing more teams move to eight-man football
5: that's a heck of a question um, you know I, I think I think I think people aren't exposed to eight-man and so I think they have a little bit of a um, look-down-their-nose-type attitude toward eight-man football, I think. Um, Ezel Harding is a program that that went from 11-man to eight-man this this season, I think. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I I think it may be something that you see more of, as you said, with schools, with programs, having numbers issues, obviously, we're all aware of of what took place a few weeks ago with Glencliffe where it looked like they were going to forfeit out and then they um were able to pull things back together Zion from what I understand um dressed 15 this past week and won at East Hickman so um you know numbers and with those numbers come come safety issues I guess so um I think some programs are, are really going to have to look hard at themselves, and, and I guess they've kind of got to be in a continual evaluatory state as far as that goes. Um, how many is not enough, and, and I don't know what that number is. I, I don't know. You know, I guess it comes down to how committed you are to plan as a as a program, as a coaching staff, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, another, another topic that we've been talking about since we're right at the playoffs is, is the current playoff system. And uh, you've been able to cover different systems, you know, different alignments and whatnot. Uh, to you, what does an ideal system look like in Tennessee?
5: I'm not sure what an ideal system looks like, but nine state champions is too many. And I don't, I don't know, I don't know what the number is. I don't know how to equitably do it. But I mean, when you've got eleven or twelve schools playing for a state championship as you do in Division Two AAA, some, something's wrong. I, I, I think as as Tennessee is constructed with the number of teams, it's just the number of football programs that you have. I just think nine state champions is too many. Uh, again I got no elixir I don't know what the number is you know maybe 5 and 2 instead of 6 and 3 I don't know if you ever get back to that or not because the one thing that I have kind of figured out in this state you know once the genie's out of the bottle there's no getting it back in I don't think you're going to go back down I think to me personally I just assume see three state champions in division one and, and one in division two, maybe two, but, um, you know, nobody's going to go for that. And folks are going to look at me like I'm Clint Eastwood in Gran Torino or something. when I say <laughs> that. but, uh, That's great. You know, I just, um, <laughs> I, nine is too many. I, again, I don't know what the perfect number is. I don't know if there's a perfect number, but nine is too many. Yeah. and, I've said that about ten times in two minutes.
1: <laughs> well, it's okay, because we've said it about nine times in two podcasts, too. So, <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. But uh, listen, Mo, appreciate the time. We'll let you go. Um, love having, having you on here. Hopefully we can get you back on here sometime soon.
5: Hey, give me a call. I appreciate it. Great talking to you all. And, right. hey, congratulations on what you're doing, Chris and, and Scott. I, um, I don't think we can have – too many platforms bring an exposure to high school athletics in Middle Tennessee. Well,
2: oh, you're very kind to say that, Mo. I really appreciate that. No, Scott and Christian do, too.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
2: Yep.
5: All right, guys. Hey, keep working at it. And um, anything I can do, give me a shout.
3: Yep.
2: That's uh, Maurice Patton of the Columbia Daily Herald. Uh, we've got who you got after this. This is a 615 Preps Podcast.
3: My name is Tashawn Jefferson from Beach High School, and you're listening to 615 Preps Podcast. Welcome back to the 615
1: Preps Podcast, and it is time for Who You Got. Chris, you ready for
2: this? You're going to notice why I didn't open that.
1: Yes, you are. Not a good week.
2: No, not it was not. Not a good week for any of us, and even worse for me. Um, my my pathetic uh, self went 3-7 and seven last week to still no, holding God. a lead, but, man, that was not good. It's,
1: it's okay, Chris. <sighs> I don't think anybody's had that bad of a week. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's you know, it happens to everybody. Uh,
2: thanks for making me feel better, Scott. <laughs> nice. I mean, really.
1: <laughs> look, yeah, I'm gonna take my wins where I got them because I couldn't I couldn't beat anybody this week either. Yeah, I was five and five. My record, you know, wasn't great.
2: Everybody else was five and five. Everybody was average. I wasn't average. I was below average.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I bet you if you look at that little uh, you know that little counter that you keep over there, uh, you'll find that you probably still have the lead.
2: Well,
3: where do we stand at right now? Yeah,
2: you know, I, I do have a 65 and 35 record, but uh, Scott's pulled back to within four games at 61 and 39. Oh, I can... but he's not in second place. The Twitter voters from second the place, the people
1: I expected to be behind the people
2: 63 and 37. They're two games back. Uh, Christian, you're at 58 and 42, just a little bit of ground to make up, but Yikes. hey, the playoffs are coming. There's time to make ground up. Yikes. So, okay.
1: hey. <laughs> Yeah, I'll believe you, I'll go along with it, it I, I don't expect another 3-7, and seven, but you never can tell
2: Yeah, It could happen any week, and this, this past week was a rough one on all of us The weather, I think, uh, some really good games too, and it was a tough week and
3: yeah, Thursdays and Fridays and 3 o'clock games yeah. and all kind of different stuff yeah. But I mean,
1: really, there were some toss-up games out there I mean, really, I, I can think of three of the games that I think we all got wrong
3: um, so. But you got teams fighting for their playoff lives right now. That's, yeah. I think that's and, just a little motivation you can't count in. Yeah, and, and as
1: bad as we feel, I can't think that we feel any worse than Montgomery Central feels after the upset that they had. And we'll
2: get to them in just a minute, but we'll start first with one of those uh, region championship games, CPA at FRA for the Division Double AA middle region title. And This one has been building this for a couple of weeks.
3: This is the stage CPA loves. They're 3-0 in region games, and they're 0 for non-region games. Uh, on the road here at FRA, since they've been in the same region, 2-0 uh, CPA is over at FRA, and I'm going to go with CPA in this one. I think that they've built all year long for it, and I just, you know, it's just how it's been.
1: Yeah, you stomped all over my lead. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I had uh, CPA, all they do is win. In their division. <laughs>
2: uh. <laughs> I, you know,
1: FRA actually has been, you know, they've been just quite cool. Yep. They've they really been doing Sean Casey and crew. You know, they can grab a home game here, possibly first place in the region with a win, I think, an ellipsium loss, if uh, my math is correct. Yep. And I don't do math well. <laughs> um, but don't let that three and six record fool you. Cade Law can sling it. And this team makes its bones run the ball. They put up 138 on Independence, 154 yards on Innsworth, 218 on BGA, 274 on Lipscomb. Uh, and last week they put up 334 yards on Goodpasture. This is a running team that has all kinds of offense. I believe in Ingle Martin here. I'm going CPA. Mm-hmm.
2: I was done looking at CPA's overall record several weeks ago. I'm not about to bring them in back into play now. I think the Lions, after their tough start because of their schedule, have, like Christian said, they've built toward this. And they're in the right place right now just because they were working on it from the very get-go. I think CPA wins. I think they win the region. And I think we're going to be talking about CPA possibly for a couple more weeks after this. Another region title game, Mount Juliet at Hendersonville in 6A for Region 4 and it, this has been the region championship game the last couple of years, and it's with Mount Juliet's way both times. Can Hendersonville knock them off and take it over?
1: Well, Mount Juliet's come a long way since they stumbled out of the starting gate just a little bit. Their seniors are 23-1 and one in region play. They know how to win. They like to run the ball. Henderson gives up a lot of yards rushing. I'm going with Mount Juliet in this game.
3: Yeah, to answer your question, Question, Chris, no. I don't think Hendersonville can hang. Uh, They've had an up-and-down year, and uh, this MJ defense, I think it's just too strong. I think the Golden Bears are region champions once again. Well,
2: Hendersonville righted the ship last week against Rossview enough to get them in the playoffs, but I think it's kind of where their limit is They've got a shot to win this game, but they're going to have to play a perfect game to do it, and I just don't think they have it in them. I'm going Mount Juliet as well. Mm. Hendersonville here has a lot of different scenarios in play. They can win the region. They can be second, third, or fourth. They don't know where they're going to be. It depends on how it all shakes out. So that's a that's a tricky region to follow this week as well. Yeah. Hillsborough at Hunter's Lane, a game that I would not have put on this list at the beginning of the year, it means something in that region because Hillsborough – Last week, nearly lost it at Hillwood. Almost a disaster.
3: I'm going Hunters Lane. Uh, Hunters Lane, a team. I don't think they won a game last year, um, and they haven't been in the playoffs since '09. Mm-hmm. This Hillsborough team is just not a. It's not what we expected them to be. They've got they've got a really good back in Covington, and, and we expected uh, so much from head coach Fitzgerald and and this crew. I just. It's been a bumpy ride, and like you said, they're lucky to get past uh, last week. I think Hunters Lane—they, you know, after last year, just to be where they're at this year is a good thing. I think they win this game. It's going out on a limb, but I think uh, I think they shocked the Burrows. Well, I disagree, but but I'm going to make your case first. Um, you
1: said this a couple weeks ago that the the Burrows are are better than their record, but they haven't been able to step up and beat the good teams. You know, they they beat the teams they should, but they've not been able to get over the hump and beat the good teams. That being said, Hunters Lane, I don't think they played incredibly well. I think they benefited from the fact they're just a little bit better than the teams below them. Uh, I honestly think that Hillsborough has a better running game. I uh, understand DeMarcus Johnson is, is really good. I think it's going to be close. But I actually like Hillsborough in this game.
2: You know, with, with the scare Hillsborough got last week, I kind of think that may wake them up a little bit and realize that uh, they don't need to drop a region game and finish fourth. Uh, that said, I think Hunter's Lane keeps this very close. And with DeMarcus Johnson and the way he's been running the ball lately, I. I'm going to go Hunter's Lane as well. I think Hunter's Lane pulls the upset and takes the number three seed from Hillsborough, so that's two for Hunter's Lane. Uh, BGA at Lipscomb Academy, we go back to Division Two again. Um, this one also in that race for, for the number two and three spots.
3: The yeah. fighting, fighting Trent and Dilfers haven't been the same lately. <laughs> no, they have not. They uh, They've lost the last two. And you know what? You got BGA coming in, and uh, we were there when Symptom felt to return from injury. I know it was a nasty night; and it was raining, and, and they lost that one to FRA. Ever since then, though, they've put up a lot of points. And uh, the last two weeks, BJ's looked really good. But Lipscomb Academy—they're three and one at the home at home this year—and uh, I'm sure Coach Dilfer and that school will do something home festivity-wise to get them going. I think they win this one against BGA. Yeah, they'll have somebody out there to fire. up have game pregame, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't think
1: they'll roll out, uh, you know, any sad sappy songs. They're they're going to get uh, somebody out there. But I I agree. I think that uh, that in this convoluted uh, <laughs> Division Two Class Double uh, A, this game's going to be uh, going to set a lot of postseason plans. Um, well, wow, after dropping three of the last four, Lipscomb is, is tough. but yeah, And B.J.'s dif- defense has pitched shutouts uh, twice in a row. But I think Luther Richardson has a big game here and that Lipscomb writes the ship.
2: Lipscomb can get number two with a win and a CPA win. I think that happens. I think Lipscomb Academy wins. That's just the way I think of that one. Another big one for a region title in Class 4A, Region 4. Noonesville at Marshall County. Noonesville coming off a loss to Franklin in a non-region contest. Now playing for the region title at Marshall County, a team that's been very good all year as well.
1: Yeah, this game's kind of difficult because we haven't, I haven't seen a whole lot of Marshall County. But just looking at uh, at uh, some of their records and things like that, they can put up some yards passing. 152 yards game, 180 one yards per game rushing. Uh, they got a quarterback that can absolutely sling the ball. a yeah, top rushers averaging uh, 12.5 points a game and 97 yards. Uh, his name is uh, Kel Greer. This team spanked Springfield 42 to 12, and they beat Maplewood. But here's the thing. Nolensville lost a very close game last week. And I think it it's going to make them mad. I think that Nolensville is going to come out if they, you know, because they lost one, that they feel like they shouldn't have given away, and they're going to come out here. This is for the region title. I like the knights here.
3: I agree. Uh, tough test versus Franklin last week before the playoffs. Give up a season high 25 points. Uh, that was a, uh, and we, we talked about the conditions in that one. Question here is Marshall County: Can their defense step up to the test that Nolansville will? Uh, you know that Nolansville defense is going to respond after last week. If that offense for Marshall County is – if they can't produce a couple drives, will Marshall County's defense be able to step up? And I, uh, I'm i going to side with the Knights. I think they get back on track and uh, win this region title. I
2: think just from seeing Nolansville in person last week, I think they are – they were really close to pulling that out, just a couple of mistakes away from that. Um they're going to be refocused after the loss. I, I just believe that you know, when you come off a loss like that to basically end your chance of a perfect season, now you've got to really look at yourself in the mirror and say, all right, now who are we? And I think it won't take them long to figure that out because when you're playing for a region title, you better figure it out really quick. I think one's does that, and I, I like the Knights to win that game as well. Um, White House Heritage at Montgomery Central.
3: White House Heritage, two one-point losses to region opponents this year. And we talked about this at the beginning of this uh, podcast, about just the different – this entire region has that at least one or two losses where you go, man, if we could have beat them, if we could have beat them. A lot of shoulda, coulda, wouldas, and especially for Montgomery Central. I thought they'd be playing for a region title this week, and that's just not the case. But I think Montgomery Central, knowing what's at stake and knowing what happened a week ago – They've got to – I mean, it's it's do or die here, and I think uh, the Indians uh, respond after last week and get a win. Yeah, Patriots against Indians. It's like a game out of the 1700s. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Back in the French and Indian War. Um, no, uh, you know, I, I agree that, uh, that uh, Montgomery Central Defense is going to be the key to this game. They gave up, uh, you know, 156 yards to – Ra in Blackburn for White House last week out of the Wildcat. White House has a running back in Parker Deaton that can absolutely play. Uh, this is a really, really tough game for me. I think that uh, I think that in a normal sense, Montgomery Central should be on paper, the team to win this. But I'm going to step out on a limb. I think that White House Heritage knows what's at stake here, has a chance for this playoff. I'm going with the Patriots.
2: There's one of two ways to look at this for Montgomery Central. Either you bounce back really quickly from a, a difficult loss and put yourself in the playoffs, or you hang your head and mope about what could have been and let White House Heritage finish you off because that's the situation they're in. They lose, they're done. This is for number three in the region or you're going home. Montgomery Central, to me, is the better team in this game. They're at home, and I think on that alone, I like their chances to win this game, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if White House Heritage pulls this one off. That said, I am going Montgomery Central to, to win here and get themselves back in the postseason.
1: I, and I can't fault either of you for that pick. It's just this is a, a gut feeling, and you know, let's, we'll see how it goes. We've known – we, we've seen what my record is with gut feelings, but I yeah. just couldn't help myself. Look
2: at mine this week, and you'll understand why. <laughs> uh, DCA at Mount Juliet Christian, another region that's kind of you know scattered a little bit. They're trying to sort things out, and they will this week.
3: MJ, MJCA in games that they've lost this year, they have given up a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of points. I think, Chris, you were there to see one of them against Macon County. Yeah. Uh, they've given up 51.6 points per game in the games that they've lost this year. And they're just – they win against DCA last year for the first time and I think, a long time or maybe even forever. I think DCA responds this year. They go to MJCA. I think they get a win in a, uh, in a, in a game that will really solidify a really good year for DCA.
2: Yeah, it's a 3-4 game for these two. One of them is going to be 3-4. and Well,
3: I, I agree with Christian. I think
1: that DCA's defense uh, from YC only allows about 8.2 points per game in region. They only gave up 22 to Friendship and only 10 to Middle Tennessee Christian. And then they played FRA tough. They put up 42, uh, 24 points. Excuse me. I'm going to take the Wildcats on this one.
2: I think we always say defense travels. And, and to that point, DCA's defense is going to have to travel this week and get the job done. I like them to do that here, and I think DCA will, will take that number three spot away from Mount Julie Christian. A battle for number two in 6A Region 6, Independence at Ravenwood
3: this is a uh, it's funny we talk about this one now because that felt like all year long from the get-go we were talking about Ravenwood being number one and it this this region's been a little funny because Brentwood's had it for the last two or three weeks like they've they've had, they've had first place a mm-hmm. lot to play here for though um, you know Ravenwood really nice win against cane Ridge kind of sh- shut the the Ravens down and they did it while they turned the ball over three times. Uh, I think that goes a long way. Uh, Tony Rice for a really nice day, 123 yards on the ground last week. And Independence, they, just, they haven't beaten Ravenwood uh, since joining this region. I, just, I don't see it here. This Ravenwood team, uh, since that loss to Brentwood, they've kind of been on that right trajectory, and uh, I, I think they get the win.
1: Yeah, you know, the Eagles are coming off a poor performance against Pearl Cone. Uh, they couldn't get off the field uh, on, uh, on defense. Uh, basically, they let uh, Pro Cone convert three fourths downs alone in the, in the first half. And then they had the two special team errors uh, that hurt them, the kickoff return, and a bad punt snap, which led to 14 points. They're not playing well at this time. Uh, Ravenwood, you know, they seem to regain a sense of purpose, but here's my problem with Ravenwood. I don't think they played their best game yet. I think they leave a lot, have left a lot on the table. Uh, their weapons are unbelievable. Garcia has a talent for hitting his receivers in stride. He's got a good receiver in Ross Johnson, uh, Johnson too. You know, you know, they put up a lot of yardage on Cane Ridge, like you said. I, I just, until further notice, I don't see Ravenwood losing uh, this early. I think I'm going to go with the Raptors.
3: It seems like this team's just been waiting for the playoffs now for months. I honestly believe that. With, with everything that's kind of gone on with a, with a coach and and just different players and huge games, and then you have the loss to bring with, It just seems that they're like, all right, make it the playoffs. Yeah, I, I mean, to, to me, here's the thing. Here's the thing to me, and I
1: and I could be totally wrong. And but here's the thing to me. You know, I've been to Oakland. I've been to I've seen Ray play. Okay the attitude at oakland wiping people out 80 to nothing 86 to whatever you know there's a system there and there is a there is a belief in a role and and there's an attitude there ravenwood i want to see them hit on all cylinders i don't see that system like you see at oakland i see individual players playing well but i don't see that team system, and I think it's there for Ravenwood. I just don't think they've got to it yet. Yeah. That being said, I like the Raptors here.
2: Yeah, It's it's a challenge for Independence to bounce back from that Pearl Cone loss. Uh, it exposed them in some ways. Uh, but until further notice, like you said, i, I got to pick Ravenwood in this one as well. Uh, so the Raptors are three for three here. Levin at Rossview in now a, a do-or-die game. This is a loser or leave town match, if you will.
3: Yeah, I think I just changed my pick on here. I had Lebanon. Let's see. They, they lost three of their last four. And Rossview's last three games, it's just been tough. Mountain Juliet, Lipscomb, Hendersonville, three pretty tough opponents. Coming into tonight, I was going to pick Rossview. But I'm going to go Lebanon. I think Coach – Gentry and that crew, I think we've talked about it this year. It's kind of just been up and down, but I think they get up for this one to get to the playoffs. um, Won't be pretty the next week when they have to go to Oakland, Uh, but nonetheless, I think they get in the playoffs. And if they win, which I also have Mountain Juliet winning, kind of fulfills the path for Wilson Central to somehow host a home playoff game.
2: Yeah, there's some possibilities for both teams here. A Rossby would be the fourth seed if they win and get in, but Lebanon can go from two to four. So there's a little bit more at stake for them than just getting in the playoffs. They're playing for quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and last week was just disappointing. I mean, they came down to a kick and they missed it. So yeah. literally it was in their hands to win it and they didn't do it. So, you know, for me, I'm going with Lebanon as well. I think they bounced back from last week and, and take down. I think they're still a better team than Rossview, and I think they should win this game and, and get in the playoffs.
1: Well, they get their quarterback back. Uh, I believe they get their quarterback back yep. this week. Um, I think that uh, you're right. It's a shoulda, woulda, coulda. Um, just making mistakes at the wrong time. Brosby's given up 40 points per game in the last three games. Uh, they can move the ball, but I think Coach Junkie circles the wagons here. I'm with you guys. I think the Blue Devils take it. Right. One more on
2: the list. Uh, Springfield at Creekwood, it is for the uh, region title in Region 5, 4A. And, uh, and not a game that we thought would be for the region title, but here we are.
3: Yeah, and it's funny the the way that we started here week one. We were kind of like, "Wow, Springfield—they've really fallen off with the loss of Wilson Central, fell thirty-seven to seven week one." Mm-hmm. They've slowly gotten back up there, but they they've kind of stumbled here and there. Uh, Creekwood, as uh, I think Mo brought him up in his uh, talking about yep. uh, at the uh, jamboree earlier this year. And talking about how Columbia Central couldn't score against them, and there's a reason that Creekwood mm-hmm. turned out to be a really good team. But I think Springfield has enough in this one to go to Creekwood and win this region. I uh, I don't know. I just I think the way that they played last year and the way that they've responded this year, I think the Yellow Jackets just have enough to go on the road and win one against a, a really really good Creekwood team.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, on paper, you're right. Creekwood should win this battle. You know, they average thirty-seven points per game. They're only giving up fourteen point seven. Poi, but Cavante White is a special, special player. But then Creekwood counters with Danny Stansbury. Creekwood, they're, you know, they're one overtime loss away from being perfect. Mm-hmm. And a win here would do a lot for them winning the division or winning the region. Excuse me. I'm going to go with the Red Hawks here. I'm going to go Creekwood.
2: Yeah, this is a tough one. And it's almost a coin flip for me because I could go either way with this one, but with so much at stake at home and a a good atmosphere, I think Creekwood gets the job done and, and finishes off an outstanding regular season with a region title. Uh, I'm taking the Red Hawks as well in this one. Um, just an FYI, we'll be at White House Heritage at Montgomery Central this week to have our game of the week. It, it yep. was it was close to see which one it would be, but uh, in that region, it came down to White House Heritage Montgomery Central or Springfield at Creekwood, and White House Heritage Montgomery Central is an elimination game.
1: It, it's a it's a playoff game a week early. Yep, it, may, it just made the most sense. I'm looking forward to making the trip up to uh, up to Montgomery County.
2: Yeah. And then a week from now, we start talking playoffs. Playoffs? Playoffs? I playoffs?
1: I, I didn't do it. They did it. Y'all yeah. <laughs> were expecting that from me, and yeah. Well, I, I mean, honestly, it'll be really good to see next week exactly how all this shakes out.
2: Yeah. There's plenty to shake out this week. And uh, once Friday ends, we'll, we'll let you know where teams are going. Uh, but that's it for this week. For Christian Capozzi, for Scott Burton, I'm Chris Brooks. This is the 615 Preps Podcast. We will see you in the playoffs next week.
3: See ya. Gunner.
1: 615 Preps Podcast is a production of B-Squared Media, LLC.